When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and joining me today is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I gotta ask. I gotta ask. How was New York? It was good. Uh, the hockey wasn't great. Uh, both uh, the Bruins lost in a less than stellar fashion to a very good Rangers team, and then Decided to go to the BU uh, Cornell Red Hot Hockey game. It wasn't good. They lost too. They lost in the third period. Gave up a gave up a lead, and a lot of BU fans there. Always good to see. But I happened to be in a section with a lot of Cornell, fans, uh, which really sucked. A lot of safety school. A lot of uh, wasn't your first choice, which is always funny with Cornell, considering they're the worst Ivy. It's like I, I was going to say they're this. They're the safety of the Ivies, them and Brown. Yeah, right? they're not even. They're not even the safety. They're like the parents. You know, you tell them like they thought you were going to Princeton. They thought you were going to Yale. Maybe Harvard. Maybe Harvard. Uh, I guess Cornell. You know, it, it's mm. we're still proud of you. That's I now they're on the list. <laughs> Cornell fans of BC Northeastern. They're on the list now. They're on the list. It's uh, the the posers, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I, Andy Bernards. That's all they. Yeah, are. I would. I'm surprised that they would chant safety school. I guess it's just because they're Ivies. They think they can kind of trash on everybody else. But, you know, I don't know. I agree with you. Yeah, they, they're sort of a safety they got, of the they got, Ivies. They got the win, so I guess they, they can, they're uh, inclined to talk trash, and they've got the, a valid reason to do so. But it wasn't great, Evan. was not great being surrounded by a bunch of Cornell bros. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. The good thing is, though, you did not go to Patriots-Giants. I'm glad. There's I was very proud. Spin. I was very proud to see that you did not put any money towards uh, tickets for that game because that's one of the first Patriots games in a while that I was home for. I mean, I was doing work. I was home for. I wasn't out at you know a hockey game or something, and I just said I'm not watching. I I've got better things to do, and I'm very happy that I did because oh my god, what a terrible team! What a terrible game! And so I'm happy. I have a roommate, though. He, uh, one of my roommates went to uh, Patriots-Giants on Sunday. It took him two hours and 40 minutes to get out of New Jersey. Uh, oh, that's fun. Which is just like, what a horrible ending to just a terrible game and a terrible season. So, 
Yeah, not great. I, I, I was coming back from Connecticut while that was going on, and that is already not a fun uh, experience, going through the Merritt Parkway, getting back on the pike. It's never a good time, but I think I had a better time than anyone who either went to New Jersey to watch that game, even if it was 30 bucks, or anyone who even watched at home. Even if you're, you have, like, the last uh, bit of your Thanksgiving leftovers, having a nice, like, turkey sandwich, probably wasn't great just watching that game. I'm sure if everyone switched over to watch Home Alone or something, I was like, everyone's ready to – turn into the holiday season. I'd rather watch that. I'd rather watch Elf for the 40th time than watch Patriots Giants. Exactly. I was going to say on HBO uh, recently, I think it was HBO, the top 10 movies right now trending worldwide are all Christmas movies. I think number one is Elf. <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, I mean, it, it's a watch classic. it again. It is a you can have it on. You can have it on. the. It's kind of like The Office or one of those shows. You can have it on in the background. You know, like all the jokes at this point, but it's good filler. It's good to have on as you're putting the tree up, as you're taking care of work, all that stuff. So it does the job. I'll put it up there with like, it, you mentioned like The Office. You know what I'm going to say? Seinfeld. Seinfeld's a good kind of in the background. Yes. If you've watched it as much exactly. as I have, you know the jokes, but they're, they still hit. It's still funny. Um, so... Uh, anyways, you mentioned it a little bit there. You went to MSG, uh, on Saturday. Were you one of the fans or not, not fan, but were you one of the people there chanting Boston sucks? I saw, um, uh, our good friend Molly Walker tweet that out. The people were chanting it. Was it, was it yes. loud? It was pretty loud. Uh, there was, I can't good, believe uh, New Yorkers would for, do something like that. I know. Shocking, right? They all went to the Cornell game afterwards, but no, the, uh, no, Bruins fans, it was a pretty good uh, representation there. A couple of let's go Bruin chants uh, early on, but faded out. And yeah, once you saw how that game was going, in fact, I mean, it was 7-4, but it easily could have been 10 goals against whether the Bruins were playing in that game. Uh, I think Rangers fans had every reason to kind of twist the knife there a little bit with how that game was going. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, Saturday's game and Friday's game as well sort of exposed a little hole in this Bruins team that uh, I think has been patched up a bit due to really good goaltending, like not just really good goaltending, but all league goaltending. And that's that defensively, they're not as good as they should be. Uh, You saw it again on Saturday with just breakdowns, bad puck play in their own zone, uh, just too cavalier with it. And then just breakdowns in front of their own net and bad plays off the rush and suddenly you give up seven goals. Uh, you gave up five to the Red Wings. I know the last one was uh, an empty netter, but still that's four. Um, and I think you're sort of starting to see for the first time in a regular season since Jim Montgomery has gotten here, they're struggling a little bit. Uh, what do you make of all of what's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, I think you're seeing uh, for this team that is so dependent on their goaltending, playing at not a great level, an elite unsustainable video game like level when those guys are you know even pedestrian uh in terms of their performance in net Bruins seems gonna have a rough night right um and I think you can look at the goaltending and I, I'm not really concerned about old Marcus Swayman I think they're both too good too long of a sample size that I don't imagine both of them are going to be stringing together a lot of lackluster performances but what needs to change is I think the defense in front of them and I yes you look at the five-on-five offense, the power play, there's more to give there, obviously. And I think, you know, we'll see how that kind of pans out. But this team, if it wants to go deep in the playoffs, it wants to be a competitive team, they really need to tighten things up in their own end. Because we talked about this before, Evan. The the pillars of this team in terms of their strengths this year was going to be goaltending and defense. That was always going to be the case. 
And when you look at this team, a lot of returning defensemen, same zone defense we've seen for over a decade now with this Bruins team. Like It's been like this forever. Still, yeah, exactly. That should still be a strength of this team. All the question marks this year going into it were valid, and they were all involved up front. Like, is Coyle and Zaka ready? Are these younger players, you know, going to fit in? How are these veteran players, uh, they signed, how are they going to hold their own? Um, defense was not an area I think we were concerned about, right? You have Lindo, McAvoy, Carlo guys playing at a high level, but the overall defensive structure just hasn't been there. I mean, they gave up 22 high danger scoring chances against uh, the Rangers on, on Saturday, which even if Walmart had a very good game, congrats. He's still probably given up four or five goals, right? Still like, peppered. There was a few, yeah. There's still a few of those chances you'd like to have back. Obviously a few rebounds, uh, Keandre Miller beat him clean there, but still, you look at the amount of high danger chances, and there was like four or five breakaways breakaways in that game. Like Chris Kreider probably should have had four or five goals by himself. He could that Omar turned aside. Yeah, so um, I, I think you look at that's the most concerning trend, right? The offense, give it time to sort itself out. That's a work in progress, but a cornerstone of this team's identity is uh, their defensive intensity and how rigid they are there, and whether it's guys left open at the net front. Too many plays not getting killed that are leading to um, odd man rushes down the other end of the ice. You really have to tighten that up. And it's not just the defense, you know, the the six guys on the blue line. It's also um, forwards not killing plays earlier. A lot of, you know, one-and-done offensive chances where you're giving up an errant pass and guys are going in numbers the other way. Um, It all plays out into that, right? Like this team needs to get back to just simplified hockey where it's rigid in front of the net. And then on offense, it's, you know, bring the puck down low wearing guys out. And then, you know, Charlie Coyle kind of mapped it out the best. I asked him, like, what does this team need to change offensively? And it's like, we have a lot of skill, obviously. You you know the guys we have here, but we need to possess the puck, get guys tired on the other, you know, the opponents tired out there. And then that's when our skill takes over is when those guys are gassed pretty much. And we find those openings, those seams, and capitalize. You can't just be a rush or a one-and-done team out there because you don't have the – the defensive fortitude back there to, to make up for those chances. So there's a lot of things playing into it, but I think if you had to sum it up, it has to be just the defensive intensity just hasn't been there. And this is something we saw last year uh, a little bit offensively where they were good enough to beat you off the rush. They could do that. Um, This year, I don't think they have as much of the personnel to uh, be able to successfully do that. I will say though, Connor, and I, I might be in the minority here defensively, because uh, I agree there were problems and there have been problems kind of all season. Just you've gotten great goaltending. That's been the thing that saved you. I mean, we talked about we've talked about it a bunch of times now. They Swayman and Olmark have stolen you numerous games that you probably shouldn't have won with defensive breakdowns and guys not covering the right people. And, and you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, giving up chances off the rush and all those things. Good. Good. This team needs to struggle a little bit. Um, and again, I know that it's not fun, but it didn't really happen last year. And then when it finally, when things started to crumble in the playoffs against the Panthers, they never really had a solution. They could never work themselves out of it, despite being up 3-1 and, and all those things. And again, I don't, I'm not saying it's good to lose, but it's good to have these problems pop up now. Have them yeah. come up now. Figure these things out on the fly. Figure out how to come out of this. Uh, again, you've got Columbus tonight, Monday. I know this is coming out Tuesday. Again, sorry. We're not going <laughs> to... Nothing we can do. It's a game in Columbus. Uh, you have San Jose Thursday. you got Toronto Saturday. And then you got Buffalo uh, the next week. I think it's you have Monday. Col- 
Yeah, Columbus in there as well again. Oh, right. Um, yes. On Sunday. Nice Sunday night game. Um, but so, again, like, you have a chance here to sort of figure things out. And again, it might not happen immediately. It might not happen immediately against Columbus or, uh, you know, any of these teams. But to me, like, I think this is a good test for them adversity-wise. You're, you know, a pillar of your team has not looked great. You now have Matt Grizzlick back. We'll get into the decision uh, to send Mason Lowry down in a bit. But I don't think it's the worst thing this is hitting now because, A, they're due. They are more than due for a, a stretch like this. But the second thing is they're going to figure out how to play better defense, how to, uh, again, have more sustained ozone time um, and things like that. So that's why I, I don't I'm not super worried right now because uh, I don't think this is going to plague them for months. I think this is a little stretch that they're going to come out of probably a little bit better. Are my rose color or my rose uh, black and gold colored glasses a little too uh, black and gold today or what? No, no, I think you make a good point, right? I mean, you look at that team last year, it seems like everything went right for them. Um, and they only got kind of punched in the mouth at the worst possible time in the playoffs where you don't have the leeway or the luxury to kind of tinker with your lines or, or uh, deal with that adversity. You should be, you know, again, playoffs is all about adversity, but you should be locked and loaded and be tested, I think, um, over the stretch of a regular season to get you ready for that moment. And you're seeing it now with these things that this team needs to improve on. I don't think the Bruins are – hitting the panic button or anything like that. And if, if they lay an egg against a team like the Shocks or a team like the Blue Jackets, not great. Again, not the end of the world, but there's still a team that, yes, you you lose it. You're in a, a rough stretch here. We lose to the Red Wings, lose to the, the Rangers. Granted, I think the Rangers are a very, very good team. Like that team might be the other top dog in the East right now. Um, yeah. But I, I think you just look at the way the rest of this season has gone so far. It's not like this team is – just beating down on, uh, you know, the easier part of schedule. You could make that argument early on in the year when they went, you know, six zero and zero, and they were playing, you know, the Sharks and the the Ducks, and or I guess not the Ducks. Now they're pretty good, but they had a pretty lighter schedule to open the year. Um, the Ducks now, are know, still see, like middle of the road. They're not great. Yes, they've they've yes. come back to earth a bit, but, but they're like, better than what we you, thought they would be. Right, but you know, they've beaten the Maple Leafs. They beat uh, Florida after that rough game against Tampa, which was a, a nice win on the road there. Um, beat the Kings in their own building. Like they've passed multiple tests already this year. That's not oh, yeah. a, a paper tiger team or anything like this, but it is good to see. As for, a, you said. for a second, I thought yeah. you were talking about the Ducks. And I was like, how do you know the Ducks schedule like the back year? How do you Dude, know everything about the Ducks? We're pivoting, Evan. They've lost one. They've lost one blowout game. Now we're pivoting to this being a Ducks podcast. But, it's Ducks no, but like, again, yes, it's Ducks beat. But Ducks beat. I, I think you look at. <laughs> We got a, there's probably some uh, podcast in Anaheim just punching a hole in the wall now. Like, damn, we lost it. We lost the rights. Uh, I'm stepping all over your point. (laughs) No, it's okay. Like, again, I agree with what you said. And I I think this team isn't like a a paper tiger or anything like that because they passed multiple tests already. But as you said, good to have them go through this adversity and fix these things now as well as, as opposed to all of a sudden this regression happens April 18th and you're right in the thick of it of a first round series and the pressure's on like it's November. We're recording November 27th. Some people don't even have their Christmas tree up yet. We still have time. Like it's better to have it happen now than during a more critical part of the season. And also, I mean, you just look at the personnel, right? McAvoy, Carlo, Lindholm, Grizzlick, uh, Shattenkirk, Mitchell, Forbert. Uh, you do kind of have to figure out, you know, is Mitchell better than Chattenkirk? Like, what do you really want on that third pair? Because that third pair, I think, has been underwhelming at times. But I think the crux of that group, McAvoy, Carlo, Lindholm, Grizzlick, 
pretty solid. I, I don't I don't look at that and say there's a problem there. You know, there's a problem we're not seeing. Uh, again, we'll see what happens over the next couple weeks, how they rebound from this. Um, but again, defensively, the Bruins have always been fine. Their systems are good. Uh, again, I think they just sort of need to come out of this and kind of tweak a few things. But uh, lots to get to in a second. But first, quick word, Connor. A quick word from our sponsor. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-JAM-1234. Now, back to the show. You know, it's interesting, Connor. Uh, I'm realizing this as I'm looking at my little show rundown. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. talk defense that much. We have not done a lot on the defense because it's always just kind of, even in the offseason, it was pretty set in stone. It was a lot of, what are the lines going to be like? What are the second and third and fourth lines going to be? Uh, so this is kind of a, it's a nice change of pace. Uh, although we will get to one big offensive storyline later that really starting to take little take little traction to it. Um but uh, Mason Lowry was sent down over the weekend to Providence uh, with Matt Grizzlick returning. Um, I, you know, I think if this if Lowry had been sent down a week before, I think there would have been a lot more backlash from fans. Um, but I do think that over time, in Lowry's sample size here, uh, you and I were saying this from the beginning that there's still a lot he needs to work on, right? Defensively, there are holes. You look at the advanced metrics, they are not very good. Um, When he is put in a pretty good position out there, uh, going down to Providence is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But it feels like I I didn't see a ton of people being like, oh my God, low rise being sent down. Like, I think a lot of people came around to like, hey, yeah, you know, there are some holes. There've been some turnovers, again, I use the word a lot, but defensive breakdowns, you know, failed coverages, all those things. And Providence isn't the worst thing for him, which is why he's going to be fine. But what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that I think uh, Bruins Twitter and the collective, I think probably mindset of, of fans, probably if you asked them this two weeks ago, they'd be like, Fuck no, no, we got to keep Laura after the whole year, you know, learn it. Like again, what's he going to learn down in the AHL? Like have him, have him learn on the fly up here, which I, I get the reasoning if you're a team that's out of the playoff picture or is yeah. not trying to build a, you know, a winning thing, if this was the, uh, you know, the Arizona coyotes or the, you know, a, a team like that. Yeah. Then you can have a guy learn on the fly. Cause you hopefully get him better for the future. Again, the Bruins have a pretty young team and they're trying to build a sustainable winning product out there, but 
still trying to hold on to that top spot in the East. You're still trying to build your game and hold off teams like Toronto and Florida and what have you. So, um, and again, it, it's not an indictment on Lori that you say this guy needs, has more work to be done. Like even Montgomery said it before Saturday's game, this guy switched to defense when he was 17. Like he is an extremely skilled player that is great holding on to the puck, has great offensive instincts and has the frame to be a guy that if he developed properly can be a guy that plays 20 plus minutes a night for you in a top four role like that is a fantastic guy to have on your roster for the future. Um, but he just clearly needs to work on just a few things down there. That's not saying that dude sucks or that he's not ready for the, the prime time moment or, or anything like that, like, or he's a bust, what have you. Like, uh, when you're the Bruins and over that 10-game sample size, you give up 16 five-on-five goals and Lori's out there for 11 of them, that's an area you got to address, right? That's something you just need to work on. You just can't have those miscues happen when you're already a team that doesn't have the offensive firepower or, you know, that is so reliant on their goaltending. You can't have those bumps in the road, those learning curves impact you with pucks going to the back of your net. Like you can't have that routinely happen right now. And again, that's not to say that we check back in January, February and Laura is thriving down in Providence, earns another call up injuries happen again. He's probably the first guy up. Um, I think Bruce should be really excited what they have in a guy like Laura, who again, we've mentioned this before Evan as well. I think he's really accelerated his timeline. We thought he was going to spend the whole year in Providence. You know, check it, yeah. check back next fall and see where he is. He's put, you know, he's knocking on the door, and you can see the skill set there and the potential. Uh, for him, though, what, what benefits him right now is getting down to Providence, playing twenty five plus minutes a night, getting power play reps, which also he needs to, you know, just get those reps right now off of if they think he's kind of your power play quarterback for the future. Do that down there, get more D zone starts, all that stuff. Um, I really can't see a negative with this off of a guy that, again, held his own at stretches there, has a lot of potential and showcased it in game settings, but still just needs to more to work on, which shocking for any 22-year-old player in their first into the NHL. Shake my head. Lil Rai, come on, dude. You know, really? Uh, I just, to me, like, I look at, you know, the way the Bruins' uh, defense is set up right now. With Grizzly coming back, I don't think you want to have both in the lineup just given left shot. You know, you do kind of need Forbert for penalty killing. And obviously we stressed, you know, being better on defense. Forbert does have the advantage there. Um, but Grizzly is way, way, I to me, way more responsible right now, uh, at least in his own zone. You know what you're getting a bit uh, over Lowry. And again, I think it goes back to like, you're contending. You're better than you thought. You're first in the Atlantic. You don't want to give that up. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not saying uh, starting low rye and putting him in there is going to give it up, but you've seen Montgomery have to shorten the bench. You've seen Montgomery have to move him down pairings. And I don't think at 22 years old, you know, with his ceiling and what he can be, being a top pairing or, you know, top four defenseman in the AHL is a lot more beneficial long term than putting him on the third pair, having him go out there, you know, 15, 14 minutes a night. I just don't see the, the the value of that over putting him down in the AHL and letting him just do every situation and develop down there where you can make mistakes and you can you can learn from them and I just to me I, I I'm reminded of the uh, the photo that Petrov McGuire made of it's half uh, Montgomery half Cassidy <laughs> you can't make mistakes up here um, but yeah I, I have no I had no problem with it I think you and I were on the same page uh, a while ago that hey he's good he's raw he's got a lot of talent but 
honing in at the AHL level before uh, coming up here. Because, um, again, the defensive metrics being out there for goals against just was not uh, up to where they needed. But, again, showed a lot of confidence offensively, moves the puck well. Like, there's a lot of promising things there. And to be able to do that uh, at his age in his first into the NHL, I think is a very good sign. So, no panic button here. It was a good little stint. You learn from it. We all learned from uh, from what he has to give, and I think the Bruins kind of know uh, a little bit better what to hone in on to practice with him. Uh, speaking of people who have trouble in their own zone, Patrick Kane. First time. I was surprised it took this long for this rumor to begin, yeah. uh, but Elliot Friedman uh, on, I think it was his 32 Thoughts podcast, mentioned the Bruins as a potential destination for Patrick Kane, who is still without a team. Um, I know his... his uh, Agency has been tweeting out videos. It's like it's, it's like he's a high schooler looking to get a college yeah. scholarship in football with his huddle highlights. Uh, you know, like they got to put some epic music behind them. It's like you know, a the, Tavon. It's a Tavon Austin mixtape. I think every, oh. every every person from age like ten through like twenty five at some point watched those West Virginia Tavon Austin highlights. Wasn't that good in the NFL? Unfortunately, but again, that's what I think the agents are doing. Now. They're cooking. They're cooking in the lab, making highlights for. A guy who's also going to the Hall of Fame. I think people know what Patrick Kane has done, you know, in his career, but. Yeah, go. Oh, by the way, Tavon Austin, the other thing was, like, I remember before I'd go play, like, youth hockey games, I'd watch, like, Nicholas Cronwall, top 10 hits and things like that and be like, yeah, but I'm going to run everybody over. Meanwhile, I'm like a squirt. There's no hitting. Like, I'm not doing anything to anybody out there, but, you know, just to get yourself freaking hyped up. It's all about the mindset. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the mindset. It is. It is. The Cronwall mentality. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't come out with his own brand of, you know, Mamba mentality and TV 12 Cronwall. That's, logically, that's the next step. Just send him a note. Send him an email. Yeah, I think this, again, that goes back to you and I come up with some great ideas. That would be a very profitable idea. I don't know what he would Cronwall, do. Cronwall, Ducksbeak. Ducksbeak. Which is, we're going, we're frothing with ideas. Uh, but Patrick Kane. 35 years old, coming off major hip surgery. Uh, what's the official name for it? I was just reading it. And hip, it's, hip resurfacing, which sounds really ah, painful. <laughs> that sounds fun. Um, lots of teams are in on him, or at least thought to be in on him. Um, Detroit's one that's mentioned. Buffalo's one that's mentioned. Uh, now, need I remind you again, Patrick Kane went into the Rangers last year. Uh, I think it was 12 points in 19 games. Uh, he's coming off making $10.5 million a year. Obviously, he's not getting that on his next deal. The thought is he wants a two-year contract. Um, Friedman mentioned the Bruins as a fit because, you know, he would help with scoring. There, uh, you know, could be a power play specialist. Uh, I just look at this and yeah, it'd be really cool to have him, but it's one of those things. I don't know how realistic it is. Bruins have $54,000 in cap space right now. Um, I don't know how you would finagle Patrick Kane in, and I don't know how you're outbidding everybody else because you're not as desperate as the Sabres or the Red Wings to bring in, to bring him in. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. In terms, of, I just don't think it's really feasible. Um, in terms of making the money work, who are you shipping out to make that happen? Are you taking out a a Grizzly or a Forbert or someone else like that to accommodate a guy like Patrick Kane? Is he going to sign a one year deal? Does he want term? Does you know? Is he does would he sign for a million? I don't think so. Like I think he'd still probably go somewhere else. Where I don't think Buffalo's offering him a million, right? I don't think even Detroit even though they've spent like a billion dollars the last couple of years. I think they have more <laughs> fiscal flexibility than the Bruins do. Um, so I, I just don't find it feasible there. And, and for 
what I think the hurdles would be if you were adamant about signing him, whether it's committing, you know, to a two or three year deal, moving guys out to make the money work. Um, I just don't think jumping through hoops for a guy like Patrick Kane, who again, put up some points with the Rangers, but did not move the needle at all for that team. Um, again, you could use some scoring depth. Of course, we know Patrick Kane has done in the past, how much he has left in the tank now at his age off of a surgery like that, which I think is similar to what, I think Nicholas Backstrom had, I believe. I think it's something like that, which uh, it's not going well for Nicholas Backstrom, right? Like, I think some of those... Haven't seen him. Yeah, (laughs) so... It's kind of like one of those ones where it's like like an Achilles injury or like, you know, the cartilage replacement. And you see that with guys with their knees where you're like, uh, maybe that'll work, but that's not a surgery you want to necessarily have. Um, Or invest in. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just don't find him to be worth whatever those hurdles would be because also yes even if he adds a little more of a scoring punch he is not good defensively at all like you can make a case he's probably one of the worst (laughs) defensive forwards in the league when it's kind of like Bertuzzi last year right like again I think Bertuzzi's probably at this stage of his career is a better player than Patrick Kane in terms of his playmaking but you saw how much that can be somewhat of a give and take like I think Bruins fans now saw Listen, they would have loved to have him. You saw his impact in the Florida game, but a lot of really costly plays, a lot of lack of back-checking, bad passes, lead directed goals in the back of the net. And I think when you're this Bruins team where you don't have that same firepower, you're so reliant on your goaltending to bail you out, further taking away from the defensive structure, whether it's adding a guy like Kane, moving a guy like Forward or Grizzlick, I just don't see it being worth it for the Bruins in this case. Yeah, I just too much... uh... There's too much competition. And I, I haven't seen a number thrown around yet for what it would cost to get him. I know you mentioned like a million. And I, I I think, you know, if the Bruins were to bring him in, it would have to be somewhere like around a million. It would have to be. I, yeah. It would have to be. Because again, like you mentioned, like you have to move you have to move money anyways if you bring him in no matter what. Are you going to deal off an asset for nothing just to bring in Kane? So essentially, like, let's say you did... Let's say they did say, you know, hypothetically, they bring in Patrick Kane, right? All right, you got to move money. All right, Grizzlick's gone. So what are you going to give Grizzlick away for? Like, what's the... So is that basically just Matt Grizzlick for Patrick Kane? Um, And again, I just... To me, like, I don't want to deal off more assets and get nothing for them when... If you're going to deal a guy like Grizzlick, you want to get something for him. Um, and I and I think everyone's so strapped and the Bru- people would know the Bruins are strapped and dealing from a place of, you know, a, a underhandedness. Um, on the on the flip side, though, I mean, he would add scoring, which is great. Um, you know, there is the postseason pedigree if you want to go into all that. And he's won three cups. I don't know if he gets you over the hump. I don't think that's what's stopping you. Um, and, and, you know, again, the other end of it would be, uh, you wouldn't have to make a trade at the deadline. You wouldn't be as compelled to make a deal at the deadline for a forward and potentially give up more future assets. If that's the route that the Bruins want to go, cause they are a contending team. I know now we say like, Oh, don't do anything at the deadline, but we kind of said the same thing last year. And then we get to the deadline and we're like, man, they probably should do something. Granted Bergeron and Krejci were on that team. So it's a bit different, but right. still I, I have a, like, if they continue at this pace, I do wonder if we're going to be sitting here in January, February and going, they really need this or they really need that and you should go for it and this and that. I still think don't right now in terms of, you know, do not give up more future assets. But if the right deal uh, brings itself to the forefront, then do it. But again, Kane would be, you know, just signing him 
I know obviously you'd probably have to deal off stuff for him. Uh, but I just re- realistically, I don't see how you're outbidding a Buffalo or a Detroit or one of these other teams that is going to bend over backwards for him. And I don't know if he's worth bending over backwards for. Uh, right. The surgery does make me sort of weary of that. So, again, um, it would be cool to get a Kane jersey for Bruins fans. You know, they could get a – I wonder what number he would be because 88's taken. So, you know, what's, what's it going to be? I, I don't know. It would be 44. Yeah, you could be. <laughs> That's exactly – brilliant. We're a pro-math podcast. People forget that. Um but yeah, so we'll see with uh, we'll see with what happens with Patrick Kane. I at some point he's got to sign somewhere. They got to you know the, the trigger has you to. You would be think. Pulled. Yeah, it's like it's gonna go all season long. Um, my guess is it is not gonna be with the Bruins. That would be my my ultimate guess. Um, unless yeah. he says um, I only want to go to the Bruins, and then that's what you got to do. Old Taylor Hall routine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. By the way, uh, poor Taylor Hall out for the season. Yeah, that sucks. That's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. Um, I think we touched on everything. All Bruins stuff. Uh, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, well, we've covered every step of the way this season, whether it's game recaps, breakdowns, features, columns, all that good stuff uh, over at Boston.com. So please read our stuff over there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruce Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wasteland.